fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. How if? You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Thirty something, movie podcast. It's Australia month. Good day, mates. How you doing? I feel like it's. I don't know that it's completely wrong for us to try to do an Australian accent because I feel like Australians try to do American accents and probably do them pretty well. Because they do them well doesn't mean we're going to. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Like we do other accents really terribly, but most oh, yeah. but most other places can pull off an American accent pretty well. Yeah, it's sort of like a lot of people, a lot of other countries are more bilingual than we are. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like how, is it like Sweden or Norway that supposedly is like speaks better English than we do? Well, I think that depends on how you define better, but yes. Well, that's. <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes we don't speak it so good. Well, true. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm before anybody gets worried. I'm from Texas. I have family that talks that way. So I'm not some of, okay, look, some of my best friends are Southerners. So I feel like it's okay for me to talk that way. <laughs> there you go. Just fine. I, I am, I am, or I am a Southerner. I was born in the South and some of my best friends are Southerners. So it's not offensive. It's all good. O- Oklahoma friends. I'm not picking on you. That's, if I get tired enough, that's how my voice sounds. I really used to throw my students off when I get like really tired sometimes. If I stayed up late grading papers or something like that one night, and then I come to school the next morning, I'm like, "All right, it's time for homeroom. I got to take attendance. Um, y'all sit down real quick." And the kids are just like, "Whoa, <laughs> awesome! <laughs> Where? What is this?" All right, guys, what we're fixing to do today is wait, what? You um, we're fixing something. You came on the morning news one time, and you had your hat, and -hmm. you were it was some tech tip or something like this, and you or it was how ISAT testing was going, and uh, you were like going full on with like like speaking how you know you were used to speaking in Mm -hmm. Texas, and it was like it was solid. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was solid. It was like that's pretty awesome. Oh, I probably it was either that or it was one of was it the time that um. Oh, you were God, what was it? Morning news. Yeah. When it was in Dennis's room with the green screen draped behind, you know? Yeah, that's that's dangerous. There's a lot of stories of things that were filmed videos. that can never be unearthed in the light of day. Mm-hmm. Yikes. <laughs> that's why we all have to mm-hmm. be nice to Dennis. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I, mean, um, I mean, talk about stuff I might have collected on all of us in terms of audio over the years, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there that you were talking and it was just like you know today i'm fixing to show you guys how to do isat testing or whatever that and i can't do the accent but it was like and it I, was and i did that in the full-on cowboy gear i bet i probably did didn't i mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what actually i think i have a picture of that because i think i was wearing my uh university cowboy of texas cut. hoodie okay and that I, or a cowboy cut shirt i'm not sure yeah and i and i think i had my black cowboy hat that makes sense that makes sense yeah. All right. Now, what we're going to do is <laughs> I talk like this, but I don't talk. Since I moved up here to Chicago, I don't talk like that anymore. <laughs> That's how y'all say it, isn't it? Chicago. It's what it looks like. <laughs> All right. Well, this is not a Texas podcast. It's not a Southern podcast. This is the 30 something movie podcast. And we're currently in Australia, which is. 
kind of, sometimes I always think it's kind of far away from the South and Texas and places like that. But then I don't know. Sometimes I see Australian movies and I'm, I kind of see, and I, I hope this doesn't offend any Australians in, in any way, shape or form, but I kind of feel like sometimes the Southern United States in some ways and Australia are really not that different from each other. Yeah. You know, some of your landscapes, some of your, I mean, you've got like, we talked about quickly down under last week. Um, you've got kind of your, your cowboy movies or you've got your kind of cowboy sensibility, um, you know, and, and things like you watch crocodile Dundee and you could very easily translate that to, you know, some very colorful characters that might show up down in some of the Southern United States. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's too far off. You are not wrong. Yeah. There it is. Well, this time around, we're not talking, we're not talking cowboys. We're not talking Texas either. We're talking rescuers down under. So this is part of our tribute to Australia month. Um, and then we're talking rescuers down under Disney movie this time around. Uh, very, very quickly. Spoiler alert. We spoil freely here. So be warned. We're just going to talk. And um, if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to stop and go see it and then come on back. And if, I did it again. You might want to tell you want to see it and come on back now. <laughs> <laughs> come on back maybe i just do the whole podcast like this come on back you <laughs> come on back now him black gold texas tea this is this, this is devolving into i don't even know what it's devolving into but we're gonna get emails <laughs> y'all done use what emails <laughs> i don't even know what that is i didn't get out of the third grade for nothing <laughs> that's right um rescuers down under but uh, you can also visit our website, 30podcast.com. There you can rate, review the show, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer by donating to us on Patreon. Kind of helps keep the lights on. Uh, we appreciate any amount of support. Um, we've got some great supporters there. And uh, just thank you so much for anybody who is supporting us over there, kind of helping out with the show. And we, we count you among our co-executive producers of the show. And so just thank you so much for that. Um, love to interact with you all and kind of get to know you all better. So if you want to be a part of that too, and you get some exclusive stuff as well, depending on the different tiers that you can take a look at over there, uh, you can either suggest a movie for us to do, and we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take one of those on and record that one for you. Or, um, you can even come on as a, as a co-host for an episode. And uh, regardless, any amount of support, you get a monthly uh, exclusive podcast that only our Patreon members get. Um, and so far, we've got the um, Brewster's Millions was the first one that came out in October. And then uh, this month for November is the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. So a couple of really fun episodes that you get as a bonus uh, for joining us over there on Patreon. <coughs> I am yes. joined tonight with Pat and Bo. Gentlemen, how is it going? Quite well, John. Yourself? Yeah. How y'all doing? Good. I'm stuck now. It's late. I'm stuck in the southern accent, and I'd love to join you, but I can't. I can't. <laughs> I just can't. Well, it's, I I like to throw off the every once in a while. I'll throw off the kids, and I'll just complete. I'll just go into an accent and just keep it like for the rest yeah. of the afternoon or the evening. Yeah. And uh, we had. I was joking around with one of the kids the other day, and this is actually a little while ago now. And when we first got our puppy. Um, you know, the vet and all the other people were like, well, now, you know, you need to introduce the, you know, any situation that you would, uh, want your puppy to be acclimated to, you've got to introduce them to that. So introduce them to new people, introduce them to, you know, open up an umbrella so that they can see what it looks like when an umbrella gets opened and, you know, open up doors and, you know, move chairs around and like all the stuff that you don't want them to bark at. You know, if you if your kids are going to play basketball in the driveway, have them play basketball in the driveway when they're with the puppy is really young. So it gets used to it. And so we started jokingly, like speaking in different accents and saying, you know what, if we ever meet a British person, the puppy is going to need to know what a British person sounds like. That's awesome. If you're ever going to meet this, but we need to. So that was my excuse. So then I, I, I kind of went full on into a, uh, into a bunch of different accents the other day. And our, our puppy's name is Toby. And so I uh, went into different accents the other day and, and Nora was in the other room and I, I started calling the dog as Toby, Toby, come here, Toby. Yes. Yes. yes that's a good boy. That's a good lad. <laughs> good lad, Toby. <laughs> such and, a, such and a good And how lad. did Toby take to this? He stared at me. Yeah. Tobias Arthur Reed. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually you say that his full name, one of my favorite authors, uh, his name is Tobias Wolf as in W O. W O L F F. And so, um, I, t- I said, you know what? Nobody else in the family has to call him this, but in my mind, his full name is Tobias Wolf. 
So. Yes. Yeah. Well no. He goes. He goes by Toby, but Tobias Wolf. Tobias Wolf. So that is perfect. That's that works. It works for me. So, and as long hey, as long as I'm amused. What else matters? That's all that matters. That's it. Really, that's it. It's really all that matters. All right. Well, I don't think we have anything else movie news wise or anything like that going on. Uh, so we're just going to jump ahead right on into the movie here. This one is Rescuers Down Under. came out on the 16th of November, 1990, rated G, with a runtime of one hour, 17 minutes. Uh, directed by Henry Butoy and Mike Gabriel. Butoy did Fantasia 2000 and Gabriel did Pocahontas. Uh, producer on this one was Thomas Shoemaker. Shoemaker did The Lion King, uh, both the 94 and the 2019 version, and Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 version. Writers for this one, bunch of writers. Uh, Jim Cox did the screenplay. Carrie Kirkpatrick did the screenplay. Byron Simpson did the screenplay. Joe Ranf uh, did the story and screenplay, and he also passed away in 2005. And Marjorie Sharp um, created these characters, and she passed in 1991. Cox also did Oliver and Company and Fern Gully. Kirkpatrick did James and the Giant Peach and Chicken Run. Simpson did the Timon and Pumbaa TV series. Ramph did Toy Story and Cars. And Sharp did the original Rescuers movie in the 70s. Uh, art director on this one was Maurice Hunt, who also did The Black Cauldron and Fantasia 2000. Music was done by Bruce Broughton, um, who did the TV show Dallas, Harry and the Hendersons, and The Monster Squad. Budget, not sure what the budget was in this one. Couldn't find that one. Box office was $47.4 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 66%, and Cinema Score did not have a score for this one. Starring Bob Newhart, who played Bernard. He was in the Bob Newhart show and Elf. Eva Gabor, who died in 1995, played Miss Bianca. She was in the Aristocats and Green Acres. John Candy played Wilbur. He was in Home Alone and Uncle Buck. Tristan Rogers played Jake. He was in The Young and the Restless and General Hospital. Adam Ryan played Cody. He was in Child's Play 2 and Unbecoming Age. George C. Scott, who died in 1999, played McLeach. He was in Patton, Firestarter, and A Christmas Carol. Wayne Robson, died in 2011, played Frank. He was in, Dolor he was in Dolores Claiborne. Uh, Douglas Seal played Krebs. He was in Ernest Saves Christmas. Frank Welker played Joanna. He was in Transformers and Scooby-Doo. And Billy Barty, who died in 2000, played Bait Mouse. He was in Masters of the Universe and Willow. Willow. Uh, Cody, played by Adam Ryan, a boy living in the Australian outback, frees a rare golden eagle from a trap. When an evil poacher, George C. Scott, kidnaps Cody to catch the eagle, a group of local animals contacts the Rescue Aid Society in New York City, who assign their top mice. Top mice. Bernard, played by Bob Newhart, and Bianca, played by Eva Gabor, to the case. To save Cody and the Eagle, the agents fly to Australia on a clumsy albatross, played by John Candy, and enlist the help of an adventurous kangaroo rat, played by Tristan Rogers. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a moment. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 29th full-length animated motion picture. Australia. Mysterious. Untamed. And for a young boy named Cody and his magnificent golden eagle, it was a world of adventure and discovery. Liar! Until... I got her. They met the villain McLeach. That bird's gonna make me rich. An evil trapper who threatens to separate them forever. It's time you learned how to fish for crocs. No! But though hope is running out, a message is on the way. To the Rescue Aid Society. There has been a kidnapping in Australia. And two little heroes, Bernard and Bianca, are flying in. It's the rescuers in the most dangerous mission ever. We'll never make it! Jump your seatbelts, mates. Now, they're joining forces with their new friend, Jake, and his army of misguided mates. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Aw, oh, Frank, give it a rest. They're flying into action, riding into danger. <laughs> In the most breathtaking rescue mission ever. Hey, who killed the music? This holiday season, join Bernard, Bianca, Jake, and Wilbur in an adventure above the ordinary in the land down under. Walt Disney Pictures, The Rescuers Down Under. Throw another shrimp in a barbie, sports fans. Here we come. 
really quick question for you guys. Did you ever see the original? Yes. I have not. In fact, <clears throat> and I can get into this question later. I felt like in watching this, I felt like I missed, like this was the sequel and I missed the setup or like maybe there were two seasons of a cartoon that this was the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like I kind of helicoptered in. I mean, I kind of picked it up pretty quickly, but it felt like these were characters that the audience already knew. So I, I confess, I don't know much about this particular franchise, as they say. Yeah, I know. I was I was trying to remember what year. I want to say the original Rescuers. Oh, was it 77? Okay, yeah. That's what I thought it was, it was 77. So it came out the same year as Star Wars. Um, so, I mean, there was a pretty big gap between that one and this one, uh, mm -hmm. 13 years. But, yeah, there was the original. And I think very similar story. I've never seen the original one. Um, the little girl kidnapped. Okay. Treasure crazy wild-eyed evil villainous sort of a deal okay so yeah so i mean very similar story to it um i think that when they decided to do this sequel i think there were a couple things that i read up on that some of the people that had voiced because it had been such a long time some of the people that had voiced characters in the original um they didn't want to replace them with anybody uh but they had passed away since the original came out, I think in particular, the bird that was their uh, kind of their airplane was Orville. Yep. And so and so they had replaced um, the actor who played Orville had passed away in the interim between uh, the first one and this one. And so they decided instead of just replacing the voice actor, they would just do a brand new character. So that's the point at which when they go to find the bird, they go looking for Orville. But then it has the sign that says under new management, go see Wilbur. And so, you know, the, the kind of the reference to the Wright brothers there um, and then had John Candy as the voice of Wilbur for that. So, yeah, there were a couple of things as a kid. I remember going to see this one in the theater. Um, I do remember that because I remember that before this one, that was one of the first times going to the theater. I remember there being a feature before the movie, which Disney a lot of times tended to do that. Uh, you know, even before a lot of the Pixar movies that have the little short before the movie comes on this one, I remember had, uh, the Prince and the Pauper was the, the Mickey mouse short that was on before this one. And, uh, yeah, I, I vividly remember being in the theater and, and watching this movie and, and watching that, um, that kind of short film before it. Um, but no, I had never seen the original one. I don't think as a kid, I knew that there was another one, um, you know, this one just looked like a lot of fun. So I think our family went to go see it. Um, but yeah, I had never seen the other one. And so I, as a kid, I don't think I felt that way, but watching it as an adult again, there was a little bit of that sense of, all right, I, I definitely feel like I'm stepping into the middle of a story here, you know, with, with them, uh, with Bernard wanting to propose to her right at the very beginning of this. I was like, okay, there's watching as an adult. It's like, there's very clearly some backstory here that I'm missing. Cause otherwise this seems it seems kind of sudden. Yeah. But hey, but, mice don't live very long. So, you know, carpe diem. That's right. So the original that you speak of, it was like a remake. It, it, like there, it, it wasn't like a, a prequel to this. Um, I mean, it, it was. As oh, okay. far, so, yeah. so that's where you meet the characters and all that kind of that's thing. That's where you meet them for the first time and they team up yeah. and they kind of get to know each other. And I think by the time you get to this one at and I, again, I don't know, Bo, you might be able to talk a little bit more to this. I think they know each other well enough that they've kind of fallen for each other. And so, oh yeah, they've been working together a okay. while, you know, when they panned that seat, you know, they're seated right next to each other. And, and then they're, they're supposed to be at the meeting. They're at dinner. Um, it's Bernard. Bernard is quite taken with Miss Bianca. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wouldn't be? It's a, it would be a bore for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I realized, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I realized that for years I had been completely wrong. I always thought that, uh, it was Zsa Zsa Gabor. Uh, I thought it was her. I thought she was the one that was in green acres and I had completely like in my mind, well, it was technically they're both in green acres for a hot minute. Well, but... yeah. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. I, I had completely gotten my, I got my Gabor's think, mixed up. I think we'll can, we'll forgive you for for mixing up Gabor sisters. Okay. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. A couple of other things I read too was they had actually planned to do maybe a couple of other rescuer movies. They had another one planned for around 1996, I think it was. And I believe that I just read when I went through all the names I, that she passed in 95. Yeah. Jaja and John Candy died just before they were going to do another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eva Gabor died in 95. And so they had, I think they had planned one for somewhere around 1996. And when she passed away, it was the same kind of thing. they're like, no, we don't really want to recast. Can't really recast these characters. Like we're not, we don't want to do that. So we'll just scrap it. Um, so any thoughts of additional movies? Got if I remember aside? correctly, the Down Under didn't do all that well, considering. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I would say moderately, mildly successful, maybe. Yeah. And it's funny. I think by other standards, it might have been successful. Right. But it came out, I mean, this came out in what we'd call the height of Disney's just, you know, they were churning out a movie at minimum every other year Mm -hmm. and it was box office bonanza. I mean, it was. Well, I mean, this is, this is right around the time. They were churning stuff out and it was all good. Well, I mean, this is right around the time that Disney was kind of rebuilding themselves when it came to their movies. I mean, they had, they did have a bunch of flops kind of right before this and, and like little mermaid was kind of that one that turned them around. So yeah, Mm -hmm. this was kind of right on the, right on the beginnings of their, I don't know. They're, they're restructuring, they're rebuilding. And it was all pretty good after this, yeah. which was kind of a low point. If, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if it really was. So I, you've already kind of said it. I mean, in terms of the movie, it's um, the premise is, is pretty basic for the movie. Um, you have this boy has kind of, uh, he, he has befriended the animals and uh, we get a sense that there's some trouble brewing that the great golden Eagle has been caught in a net and, the boy goes to help the Eagle. And then in return, the Eagle takes the boy for a flight. Um, you get a very, some of the imagery as the Eagles flying around very, um, very much like some of the Miyazaki movies, um, you know, kind of that magical uh, fairy tale imagery. And um, you just kind of get the sense that this, uh, they, they've started this kind of, relationship between him and the animals. And now there's this special bond between him and the Eagle. And as we go further along, we get introduced to McLeach. who's a pretty slimy poacher. Uh, and he, at some point then discovers, uh, cause the boy Cody gets caught in one of his traps and, uh, he happens to have one of the golden Eagle feathers on him, which McLeach sees right away. And, and from that point on, it's kind of his mission in life to, um, catch this Eagle you know, to get the, to get the eggs for Joanna, the kind of a monitor lizard and um, for him to be able to get the golden Eagle as well. And that's kind of, I, that's the premise for the rest of the movie basically. And he does kidnap the child in order to get that. So that's when the rescuers get called in to try to help save the child. Um, this is one that I, I always remember this being fun as a kid. And I, I vaguely remember just something being a little different about this movie. And I don't think it was until I rewatched it again as an adult that you really get a sense that they were really playing with the idea that they now had computer animation that they could use. I mean, there's scenes where like the Eagle is swooping through these canyons and the, the scenery kind of the background imagery is just zooming by in a way that it really hadn't before in cartoons up to this point, animation up to this point. Um, and so you, you really kind of got a sense that this was a brand new type of cartoon, something that we hadn't quite seen before in, in the way it was put together. Um, and this is probably the very first animated feature that was done, I believe, 100 uh, percent computer animated. This was 100 percent, 100 percent computer animated. Well, I think they, the they did some of the backgrounds. backgrounds. Yes, but I think mm-hmm. the actual characters are still cell drawn, weren't they? <laughs> I, you know what? I hold on a sec. I just had that, and then of course, I don't I think that they were. I, I think some of the backgrounds might have been hand drawn, but then they did some of the coloring and some of the other compositing uh, with computer. And I feel like the characters were computer animated as well. You know, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I have it backwards. That is because that was one of the things too. Was they were 
they had had, they had little mermaid, which had been successful, but they had been putting this one together for several years too. And I think, I think one of their thoughts behind it was, um, look, we, now we've got computers and we can use these computers to speed up the animation process. And we don't really know if this is going to do all that well. It's not a musical like some of our other more recent ones have been. Um, so let's just make this one with the computer animation. It'll take a lot less time. It might not be as expensive and we'll just see how it goes. This was the first 100% digital feature film ever made. Mm. Animation and backgrounds were done traditionally, but all of the coloring, many effects, and the final film printing was done digitally. Okay, okay. First film produced with Disney's Academy Award-winning Caps production system, developed for the film, and cut production time for an animated movie down by at least six months. Um, another comment, the first Disney animated feature to use fully rendered CG backgrounds for the aerial shot of the UN building in the Sydney Opera House. The Sydney Opera House was definitely CG. Like you could tell mm-hmm. the way it was drawn. Um, yeah. It was just different. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I didn't obviously, I didn't know anything about that animation piece, but I, I, I sure found it beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. It was. It was done very well. And and I think when we think computer animation, especially early computer animation, we think more Toy Story style mm-hmm. or, or something of that nature. Whereas this still blended some of the old ways with the new ways. I feel like that's why it looked so different. But yeah. it definitely gives it a, a style that is very pleasing to the eye and very like a good bridge between, you know, the old style and the new. I want my, I want my, <laughs> I want my MTV. Well, I went with the weird L, I guess that I could, you know. Yeah. That works. Well, no, 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 no. I take that back. No, that wasn't the weird, weird Al. That was no, the, right. That was the original. Yeah. 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 He was singing about, man, I, that's like oh. out Beverly, Beverly, Beverly. That was the weird L one. There you go. <laughs> yep. With computer animation, animation. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I mean, in looking at this, I didn't see anything in this that was like, oh, okay, that's so jagged. Wow. Like, mm, there's, comp- you know, it really, yeah, I th- thought it was really well done. Yeah, they had, you know, this is kind of the, what do they, re- they kind of referred to them as the, um, I've seen it referred to a few times as the nine old men um, as kind of like the last of the major traditional animators for Disney were kind of leaving around this time. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of, you kind of had that shift of, um, you know, a lot of these guys were either retiring or I think some of them, I believe some of them might've gone with Don Bluth um, when he kind of went and and did his production company and, um, you know, so this was kind of that transition time for them. And I think, you know, a couple of things that I've, I've read on this one was if you hadn't had, not that rescuers down under was a huge success for them, but I think the quality of the animation I'd read in a couple of places that said, if you didn't have, you know, at, at that point, Disney was kind of, you know, the animators in particular were kind of down on themselves because they really hadn't had a, a, a great hit, you know, other than you had little mermaid, um, but their other stuff just had not been doing as well. And so uh, I believe I've read a couple places that some people argued if this had not done well, you know, even though it didn't do as well financially, the, the quality of the product that was put out, um, Disney was very happy with. And obviously production time and production costs, I think were down because of all that, um, that you may not have had beauty and the beast if you didn't have the success you had with rescuers down under. So it's kind of one of those movies that. that maybe it, maybe it wasn't successful as much in its own right, but it paved the way for some of the other stuff that they were able to do later on in these movies that we look at now. And we're like, yeah, well that's, those are the, those are like the, the cornerstone Disney movies. When you think about, you know, what, what Disney was starting in the late eighties, early nineties mm-hmm. when it was just one hit right after the other. Right. Well, and what was this on Rotten Tomatoes? Sixty some percent. Uh, that was for Flick Metrics. Okay. So that kind of averages, that averages a whole bunch of them. 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes itself. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Um, Rescuers down under on Rotten Tomatoes. It gets a um, gets a sixty eight percent from the audience, seventy percent from critics. Okay. So I mean, so, not not high. Kind of in that moderate range. Well, I mean, I'm thinking, aren't there a couple of Marvel movies that are out there that are in this range? Probably, yeah. You know, and I mean, that's the same thing. People still flock to them when they come out because right. if you look at it as a whole, even if it's, you know, even if it's lower scores, it's still a Marvel movie and fun and fits in with the overall thing. I mean, it's almost, I, I could see similarities there. Okay. Maybe it's not the most uh, advanced best story or whatever. I enjoyed it. I'm not judging it, but like, obviously some people did because it's not scored as high, but it's, Hey, it's the latest Disney movie. We're going to go check out the latest Disney, Disney movie, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Um, this was also one of the first sequels that Disney had come out with, um, at least theatrically. I think some of their other sequels maybe had been straight to video, um, type deals, but this is the first one that was, uh, a theatrical sequel that they had made. A um, couple of other things that I read. One of them, and I, I talked a little bit about this when we talked about Quigley Down Under last week, um, how I wish they had kind of keyed in a little bit more on the Aborigine story and, and taken that a little bit further. One of the things that I read about Rescuers Down Under, which I was a little disappointed that they didn't go that route, but... And I'm not saying this is a good thing. I understand why they didn't for the time that this movie was made. That originally the character of Cody was supposed to be a young Aborigine boy. Mm-hmm. But the executives at Disney thought that it would not be as commercially successful if there was not a white child as the main character. Hmm. So that's why they decided not to go that route. Which I think is a shame. I mean, I think that I think that would have been, you know... If your movie is about Australia, um, that's probably that's probably not a bad direction to go, you know. And if they were making it today, I could just about guarantee they would do it that way. Um, but obviously, did you know? Didn't do it back then in 1990. That was the other thing. Uh, one of the other things that if I'm if there's only a couple things I'm going to nitpick because I do, this is a fun movie. I mean, we've watched this a couple of times with the kids. Um, I remember really enjoying it when I was a kid. So it's a fun movie. I, I obviously, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to dog on it, you know, too much, but um, the only other thing as an adult that I noticed was, is like, where are the Australian accents? <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the kid sounds like he's an American uh, which I guess the, the young actor is actually Swedish, um, but he sounds, so there it goes back to the fact that they speak better English than we do. Um, you know, the, Cody is, sounds like he's an American. McLeach sounds like he's an American. Um, pretty much everybody except for um, uh, Jake was the, the Australian mouse. Um, other than him, I don't know that I recall too many other Australian accents. Mm-mm. No, there were not many. So, yeah. So, I, it, again, it's a Disney cartoon. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at a Disney cartoon to, you know, you know, be the pillar of cultural accuracy, especially at I'm this point. For hyper-realism? No, no, not, not in this instance. But as an adult, that was one of the first things I picked up on. I wasn't even looking for things to nitpick, but that was one of the first things I was like, this kid's supposed to be from Australia and he's speaking with an American accent. That's a little strange. Well, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I, I, I go, I go back to my, my statement that I made and I know that this kicked off the, the discussion at uh, Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. But for me, I kind of go back to, well, it, this is what happens when you look at movies 30 years on, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's going to be, you know, I termed it as it's it, it could look dated and maybe the story of itself doesn't look dated, but I'm sorry, the story in the movie doesn't look dated, but just the way the movie, its outlook on things looks dated. And I think that's where you said is the accents and why was the why was the boy not portrayed as um, boy? You know, 
the boy, right, as uh, Aboriginal, right, um, and and from what you said, Disney pulled the plug because, well, you know, we don't think the movie will be as popular. And now I think the difference is 30 years on. Now we ask the question and say, with who, who, who do you think it will be less popular with? Right. I mean, um, it was also in our lifetime that there was never really a, a um, well, and, and maybe there was a wonder woman movie that I just didn't know about, but like when wonder woman hit the screens, I mean, there was some question as to whether, well, can a female lead really carry the movie? And I think, that's one of DC's strongest properties right now, you know, is what they've done with Wonder Woman. So I, I just, I look at that and I think Disney's own tag that they put at the beginning of their movies makes the most sense. I mean, that's just kind of the way it was and, you know, good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent. It's, uh, that's the way it was back then. Marvel has a talking raccoon. Of course, a woman can carry her own movie. <laughs> <laughs> But that was a thing, though. I oh, mean, no, right? I, I know. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, oh, and, yeah. and, and it wasn't just like, hey, we're doing a Wonder Woman movie because, boy, you know, back mm-hmm. in the 80s, we thought women could never like this was like a legit like it did not come out for a while because. Right. No, she should be part of the Justice League movie or part of the Bivis Dodge movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was after like it was after, you know, a lot of people said the best part of Bivis Dodge was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So I'd agree with that. Anyways, I'm going off on a tangent, but no, I get what you're saying. And I mean, I'm not saying that the movie's bad. I'm not saying, but it's like, well, that's how they looked at things back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe some people still look Choices. at things that way now. I, you know, I not. Right. Choices that were made and mm-hmm. I'm sure thoughts, thoughts were different in even in 1990 and you know, but no, I, I, I would hazard a guess and say if they were to make this movie today, they definitely that's that's not the route they would have gone. Mm-hmm. They they definitely would have stuck with, um, you know, it's they've, they've much more the the mindset now of the, you know, if this movie is set in Australia, then we're gonna we're gonna make sure it's representative of all Australian cultures, um, mm-hmm. and you know, nobody's gonna bat an eye at it because if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. It doesn't really, you know. Right. Just because the character may not be, just because the main character may not be the same race as me, doesn't mean I'm going to sit there and be like, well, I can't connect with this movie. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can. Is the main character human? I don't even need to be human. I was going to say we just so, talked about a raccoon. Right. Let's not forget his buddy, the tree. Yeah. Does the main character have attributes that I can connect with? Yes. Okay. Great. Then I'm going to go see the movie. There it is. Yeah. Um, I did want to read this part. I found this on IMDb. Um, and uh, so this, we were kind of, as we were talking about this a second ago, uh, the entry on IMDb says, this is the least successful film released during the Disney Renaissance from 1989 to 1999. And the only one to not breach $100 million in its opening weekend. After it only grossed $27.9 million in the weekend's box office, Disney executive Jeffrey Katzenberg pulled all television advertisements for the film. Uh, unfortunately for this movie, the film opened on the same weekend as another film featuring John Candy, uh, a little, uh, little uh, short film called Home Alone, uh, which went on to gross more than 10 times what the Rescuers Down Under grossed. Thanks. So... Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely not as, you know, as they say in that 10 year period when it was just, you know, Disney, the, the powerhouse, you think of all the movies that came out in that decade of 89 to 99, um, Crazy. you know, beauty and the beast, Aladdin, the lion King, little mermaid, you know, all that stuff. Um, and just like one right after the other huge movies and, you know, I mean, grouped with those, when you say, well, this one was the least successful and like, okay, <laughs> sure think about what we're talking about here right right you know that's like that's like grabbing your you know five best athletes in the entire world and then you stick the sixth guy in there and like well he's the least successful out of this whole group <laughs> okay because the other the other five are just legends so yes of course he will maybe least successful out of this group right but, right yeah 
No, but a, a fun movie and fun little characters. And uh, I always thought, I remember as a kid thinking Joanna the Lizard, even though she was kind of a villain, um, you know, always thought that was kind of a funny character. And uh, always thought that scene where they had replaced the eggs with the rocks was really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like Joanna's wave at the very end of it when yeah. <laughs> what's his name is going over the thing. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he's calling her for help. And she just kind of gives that half-hearted, like, five, you know, just open palm, just kind of waving. Bye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Peace. Yep. <laughs> yeah. When, when McLeach uh, heads down to the Crocs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Right before that, when, uh, when they're on the bridge and short round goes, Hey lady, you better hold on to something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Filmed in the same location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how they do that. It's the computer animation. That's how they can do that. Right. That's, that's exactly yeah. it. Yep. All right. Well, I, do we want to say before we jump into our three questions, anything else we want to say about Rescuers Down Under? Good movie. Bring the kids. Beautiful animation. Fun Disney flick. Fun movie. My kids really enjoyed it. Uh, we watched it a couple of years ago and then we watched it again uh, just a few days ago and uh, they really enjoyed it. Um, you know, still, it's got a lot of really funny, really cute parts. Um, you know, I, I think... I think if you are a movie lover, I think you've got to see this one just for the fact that it is the it's that first 100 percent computer produced movie, you know, just to kind of see what they were able to do compared with the with the cartoons, with the animated features before this. And then just to see some of these scenes, knowing that this is the first movie that came out, you know, using that process um, just to be able to see how that process was put into place. It just, you look at it and and visually it's, it's just outstanding. Yes. Yes. Most assuredly. So, and John Candy's John Candy. That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah. So that's, uh, getting shot, getting shot with the, uh, syringes and the double barrel shotgun. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) This is what, uh, I'm thankful that this is what taught me what an albatross was and that, that it was a very, very large bird. Mm-hmm. Because then that helped me later on in my English classes uh, when there were, you know, certain certain poems and, and certain uh, books that featured the albatross. And then uh, then I understood what they were talking about in Monty Python and those skits when they would just yell the word albatross. Mm-hmm. You know, not that I needed to know what an albatross was when they would do that, but it it's at least better no, it at least gave me some background knowledge. Right. Yes. So. All right. It's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Three questions. Uh, Pat, I appreciate your dance move, dance moves. I just want you to know that. I, Hey man, bring it. I, I, I'm just trying to step up to you guys. I mean, I, it's the dance moves. That's gotta be the next Patreon thing is like the dance moves. 30 something dance party. Oh dear Lord. Do that. Thirty-something movie podcast. Can we do a uh, dramatic reading of the Flashdance script? I don't see why not. I, like honestly, I'm actually upset that we don't have we haven't done that already. Okay. Uh, I want to do the scene with the the water. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> I, I don't even know. All right, um, and uh, and I will mention it's it's getting a little late, and. Uh, I don't think I was going into like the Southern accent thing, but I think I realized I just said, I think I slurred a little bit and think it was Pat. I really like your dance moves. <laughs> yes. Super. Super. Super yes, dance moves. Penny. Yes. We, yeah. We went back to Sean Connery. That was a continuation from earlier. And it's a uh, red ribbon week at our school. And every morning in advisory, I got to say, okay guys, today's red ribbon with web, web, web. Red, and red then ribbon. I, like, wascally wabbit. It's red ribbon <laughs> week. Uh, and, say, and I say wascally wabbit and I get the cricket. So like, Hey, none of y'all heard of Looney Tunes. They've, Bugs never, Bunny? they've never heard oh, of it. I watched that once. I'm like, okay. Have you guys seen space jam? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, but some kid pulled out the like the reference today. I can never remember the name of this one song we're playing, and uh, it's it's like the Furious River or something. And I'll I'll call it. I'll be like you know, River Road or Fury River or something, whatever. And I made the reference. I'm like, hey, well, you know, in the Princess Bride, there's the Cliffs of Insanity, and we've got the let's have the Song of Madness or the River of Madness or something like that. Just and all of a sudden in the chat, it just explodes with as you wish. It's <laughs> <just> typed out. <laughs> Somebody gets you. That's good. You know, going back to when we did our recording for the Empire Strikes Back, um, uh, it was probably last week when we did that. Um, have you ever seen the internet meme that shows the picture of the the grandfather reading the book to Fred Savage? Um, yeah. And then it shows the picture of Darth Vader standing next to Boba Fett. <laughs> and it has <laughs> the line. It has the line, and it says. Um, what Vader didn't realize was when Boba Fett said, as you wish, what he really meant was, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. As awesome. You, as you wish. All right. Three questions this time around. Our three questions we'll start off with. When did you first notice computer animation? Because I, I, I can tell you, I didn't notice it with this one when I was a kid. I will say probably the first time I noticed something that was animated by a computer was probably uh, it was either the cartoon and there, there may have been something before this. Uh, there was this cartoon that used to be around. You guys may have seen this one. It was called reboot. Mm -mm. Do you ever watch reboot? Mm -mm. Yeah, it was a, it was a completely CGI cartoon. There was that one. And then there was the, um, uh, Pat, I think you've mentioned that you, you didn't quite get into this one before there was the, uh, Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I, we used to, that used to be, my brother used to watch that when he was little. And so I remember we used to watch that and kind of got into that a little bit. So I, on occasion, like I would turn it on myself if I was up in the morning before getting ready for school or something like that. Yeah. And, um, those would, I think be the first time I noticed that something was computer animated because it really looked different, especially that reboot show. The whole idea was um, it was almost like a it was almost like a kid's version of Tron. OK, but it was very the animation was very much CGI. It was, it was Canadian, eh? Oh, it was. OK. Take off, eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's a boot, but. <laughs> wow, we've really this is we are basically the International House of Pancakes here tonight right i like pancakes we've done southern as well i realized we hadn't talked food probably in a couple of episodes so i felt like we were you know coming up short on that we would do yeah we've been from that we've been the south we've done scottish we've done british we've done canadian pretty much everything but australian there it is yeah like a movie yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> touche <laughs> Oh, and now we've done French. Look at that. That was total package right here. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, when was the first time you guys remember noticing computer animation? You mentioned Beast Wars, and it would be a toss-up between that and Toy Story. Okay. Toy Story was the first thing that popped into my head, but I'm having trouble placing them in the timeline of which came first, because I know we watched Beast Wars, but in my head it was Toy Story. For me, it's going to be uh, that video, the spoof video that Weird Al did. Mm. Beverly, Beverly, Beverly Hills, that is. Yeah, I remember when I was watching UHF and that came on and I was just like, dude, that's crazy. And like, that's awesome. And people being like, well, just like his songs, that video was originally, was it Dire Straits did the song? Yep. Yep. I was, Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, whoever did it, like, that's awesome. So I think that was the first. Now, now watch, maybe that's not computer generation or computer animation. But as I recall, like, that was what that early computer animation looked like. So that's, that's what I think of it. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Reboot was a computer animated TV series that began airing in 1994. Toy Story. Well, that was before Toy Story. Then. Yeah. Toy Story came out in 95. They were probably already working on it in 94, but yeah. still. And Transformers Beast Wars came out in 96. Okay. So, and you can kind of tell, I mean, it does, you know, from reboot to Beast Wars, you can kind of tell there was a little bit of a jump forward 
in the yeah. quality of the animation. You know, it was still it was still very different. You know, and you could tell it wasn't the same quality as something like Toy Story. Um, right. But there was definitely a jump from reboot to Beast Wars. Right. I don't know. For me, that was the first time I remember noticing something that I really could tell this was done with a computer. Right. And I remember hearing the the Beast Wars was was computer. Um, I remember Beast Wars was computer. Well, I I forgot my. Oh. Uh, yeah, and and not only that, I processed that it was different. Maybe this is what the question was, but it just it had like a distinctive, different look. Like seeing the guys talk and mm-hmm. their movement and every everything. It was it wasn't just like I've read about it. Oh wow, that's the first computer generated cartoon. It was like you you could just kind of tell. Yeah. So. Oh, and actually, see, I didn't know this. Um, Reboot was the first ever full length computer animated animated television series. So it actually was the first. Nice. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. The other one kind of around that same time, um, I don't know if you guys, I mean, we would, you know, because we went to church and these were always at church and uh, the VeggieTales videos. Did you guys ever watch any of those? I did not. Okay. Those were I know, all. I know of them and mm-hmm. I remember hearing about them, but. Yeah. Yeah. And those are all very, that's very simple, uncomplicated, very early computer animation um, from the VeggieTales videos. And so that was probably around the same time as Reboot, I would imagine, like early to mid 90s. Um, But yeah, Reboot is the one that I that I vividly remember being one of the earliest times I could recognize that something was done on a computer. Right. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite cartoon animal in a Disney movie? Cartoon animal in a Disney movie. Blue the bear for me. Nice. Cartoon animal. Mm-hmm. Any, you can go any of the Disney cartoons that feature animals. You can go with any animal you want. Well, the lions and lion King are pretty. That was mine. I, Purely, oh, did I, are you kidding me? Well, I purely because of the the voice actors they got for them, <laughs> and and just that movie is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Disney animated movie. I'd have to go with Lion King, and I'd got to go with uh, Mufasa and Scar. Okay, you know Jeremy Irons and Mufasa. You know, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> uh, Mufasa. Yeah, James Earl Jones, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Yeah. It's Darth Vader is a lion, basically. Right. I mean, how and can a, you go wrong? And a much better dad. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, on the one hand, you give your kid advice. On the other hand, you chop your kid's hand off. And then work to give him more advice. On the other hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you do, and if you do. <laughs> He didn't feel hot or cold about it. He was lukewarm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's here all week. Oh, Your waitresses. Good grief. Yeah, I probably am here all week. <laughs> so what do you got, Pat? You got, did you, you were going with the Lions and Lion King? Yeah, but I stole yours and I feel badly about that. All right, that's fine. I'll, here, I'll throw this. I'll throw. Um, Lion King is big enough for the both of us. There it is. I'll throw, you know, growing up. When you got Robin Williams in as the genie, that just kicked Disney movies up to a whole nother level for yeah. me. That was just like, dang, this is going to be entertaining. On, you know, because how can you not love Robin Williams style? So I'll say the genie in Aladdin. Okay. I'm probably skipping over like some like really like, dude, why? How? Mm. But. No, that, yeah. that works. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number three. Final question. What is your favorite Australian movie? either a movie about Australia or directed by an Australian road warrior mm-hmm. or Mad Max or Mad Max Fury road or pick any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think road warrior is my favorite though. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick that one. Oh, what about you? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, if you want to go classic, like, about Australia or set in Australia, there's Man from Snowy River. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Um, 
if you're thinking just directed by the first thing I thought of was uh, Moulin Rouge. Yep. Also starring Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I went. Okay. And you, sir? I, for me, it, I probably would have to go Moulin Rouge. Um, just all the way around. Absolutely love that movie. Um, love the soundtrack, love the actors, love the story, love the, the whole thing, the visuals, all that. Um, so I probably would have to go that one. Although, um, there is just a very special place in my heart for the number of times we watch crocodile Dundee as a child. Now that's a knife. <laughs> that's, that's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. <laughs> the other best usage of a, she's a man, man, <laughs> you know, Australian instead of British, but same kind of right. idea. Same <laughs> deal. Slightly less delicately. You can either punch him in the face or check things out. Ozzy! 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 All right. Okay, so, and Pat, you said Road Warrior. Uh, I'll just go with Road Warrior. Yeah. That's the mood mm-hmm. I'm in tonight. Okay. I don't know if that necessarily pertains especially. Well, wait a minute. The director was Australian, Australian. right? Australian, yeah, yeah. 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 And Mel Gibson. Yeah. Mel Gibson. No, you're good. You're good. You got it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Rescuers Down Under. Uh, So another movie down in our tribute to Australia month. Um, Next week is going to be our non-Australian Australian movie. Uh, We take a look at Men at Work. I'm probably going to play a lot of Men at Work music during that episode, which is totally fine. Um, And then we're going to follow that up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Coming Out of Their Shells tour. Uh, we'll be covering that one. Um, I think we're going to, I think we found the video. Bo, did you say you found the video on YouTube? Okay. All right. So I know I've got the audio somewhere, um, but we've got the video as well. So, uh, we will, uh, we will be talking about how, how much of our childhood musical tastes were shaped by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells tour. God, I hope it was not a lot. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. Early nineties was a I'm not gonna say musical wasteland, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad that came out of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, there's always good music to be found in any time period, but mm-hmm. you just start looking at some of the stuff that people were turning out. And you, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then our November Patreon exclusive episode is the Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary. So if you have not yet joined us by supporting us on Patreon, please go ahead and do that. And then you'll be able to get access to those special episodes that come out once a month uh, just for members only. And then we give you a nice shout out on the show as well. And uh, there are a couple of different tiers that you can choose from depending on uh, what level you want to support. And um, there are some. Uh, benefits that come along with that, whether you get to choose a movie for us to talk about or whether you come on as a co-host for an episode. Um, And for as long as you continue to support us, those then will kind of renew each year. So if you stick around with us, then, um, you know, once a year you get to pick a movie for us to talk about, or you get to come on the show as a co-host and um, yeah. So we'll, Look forward to seeing more people join us through there. And thank you so much to the people that are already supporting us on there. If you want to get ahead and look on into December, That is our Mutants and Rebels Month. Uh, We're going to be looking at Edward Scissorhands, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, Pump Up the Volume, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that's what we got looking forward to. And I am going to post up the listing of movies for 1991 here in not too long, um, just so people can kind of start to get ahead uh, and and try to find copies of those if they want to watch those before they come listen to the show. So thank you, Bo. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Great seeing you, Bo. All right. See you too, Patrick. Put a uh, everybody put another shrimp on the Barbie, and uh, we're gonna head out of here. See, we did finally bring food into it. Yep. It was very. It always works with us. Very long overdue, but it was desperately, desperately needed. Um, Yes. And now I'm hungry again. But that's that's how we roll. Mm. Right, man. And then I said rolls. (sighs) Ah. Mm, rolls. rolls. <laughs> All right, that means it's time for us to go. 
everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here with us every week, week in and week out. Uh, we just, we enjoy interacting with you all so much. Hope you're enjoying listening. Everyone, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and we'll see you back here next time. <laughs>